the world that we'd like credit decisioning to go to is a subscription one where a worker is actually granting access to their employment records to a particular business. Bob is granting employment records to good loans. And that means good loans get continuous, real-time, always available information on Bob's um, employment records, and they pay a monthly subscription for it. Hello, and welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast. On this show, we bring you interviews with leading executives at today's rapidly growing B2B tech companies. We dissect the stories, strategies, and journey of CEOs, COOs, CMOs, and more as they share their professional journey. Tune in each week for new episodes from today's leaders. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B tech companies build and run revenue-generating podcasts. We set you up with weekly interviews with your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up and have engaging conversations. We handle everything else. Learn more about launching your podcast at contentallies.com. This episode is brought to you by Ad One Zero, where we do lead to close sales execution for B2B services companies with a technology flair. If you're looking to scale your company from six figures to seven figures of revenue, talk to Ad One Zero. All right. Thank you for coming on the show today, Shmulek. Uh, super excited to dive into your journey. Uh, for anyone out there uh, who doesn't know who you are or what your company is, can you give us the the quick 60-second overview on uh, what is Argyle? Uh, Argyle is a business uh, that allows uh, companies to make better credit decisions uh, through access to employment records, whether those uh, employment records are at um, a typical uh, company like a Walmart or a Target or one of the newer platforms like an Uber or a Lyft, anywhere where people make money is something where we want to provide fair access to those records um, so people can make better credit decisions. Okay, very interesting. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's always, I've, I find this, I've done a lot of the interviews with companies in like this HR tech space, and there are so yeah. many uh, interesting kind of niches or just challenges in like HR tech and everything. Mm-hmm. And so if, if I'm understanding correctly, it's basically for a company to, have like access to credit records so that they can see just like employment history, I guess, how that impacts, or can you maybe kind of share a bit more or shed some more light on that? Definitely. Uh, happy to break it down. So to make it tactile, by uh, providing some real use cases, if you've ever rented an apartment or tried to buy a car or rent a car, perhaps uh, get a new credit card um, or a loan, perhaps you wanted to get a mortgage um, and all of these use cases and in many others, that business runs some sort of evaluation on you. It's usually a credit decision that that is a you know yes or no gatekeeping. And the way that that credit decision goes is it uses a lot of employment information. How long have you worked somewhere? How much money do you make? What's your title? Are you married? Are you single? These are all things or all components of a credit decision. Um, and the way that businesses get this information, the a car rental company, the uh, apartment agency, the way that they get this information is from third-party sources. The typical way is to go talk to a credit bureau, or you probably have felt many times um, the need to upload your pay stubs. I'm sure everybody can relate to the experience of seeing a button that says upload your pay stubs. I've had to do that many times myself. Always a pain um, as an entrepreneur too. So <laughs> it's, 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 not, it's not a fun experience. It's, it's sort of one of those experiences that makes you kind of feel a little yucky. Um, uh, that is what we're trying to replace. 
So instead of um, a business having to talk to a third-party reporting agency, like a credit bureau, or asking a user to manually upload paper that then manually has to get reviewed, um, we're automating that process and telling and asking the user, um, can you tell us where you work? Oh, you work at Starbucks? Um, can you give us access to your Starbucks portal? Great. Um, and then on, on connection, we can then stream all of this information about, again, your name, your address, your title, your start date, how much money you make, uh, commissions, deductions. We can stream all that information in real time to that business that's trying to make a credit decision. Um, and that's how it works in sort of a practical sense. So that's super fascinating. That makes a lot more sense um, as you kind of break it down there. And and so I'm I'm very curious though because like there's so many sides of this this tool that you're building. So like it's like first of all like who is the customer um, for you? Yeah. Because it, within this kind of ecosystem, the the customer for us is the business trying to make that credit decision. So again, the uh, <laughs> the apartment agency, uh, the lender, the mortgage underwriter. Uh, the credit card issuer, the bank, uh, a business that is trying to make a credit decision is our customer. They have customers themselves who we're helping to make credit decisions on behalf of. Um, it is an extraordinarily fragmented marketplace uh, on the on both sides. Um, uh, there are many businesses of many uh, size, shapes, and flavors that make credit decisions, as we're saying, um, and the. Uh, in the tens of thousands is what we're talking about of places where employment records are stored. Um, and so it is, it is about building a marketplace and it has a lot of nodes on it. Yeah. And so I'm curious, you know, for you as an entrepreneur with kind of this challenge, uh, like you've got this just kind of challenge with building or it's not just, Hey, build the customer, go get customers. Like it's not just that. Okay. On the other side of it, you then have to like, okay, these customers want integrations with Starbucks. They want integrations with Kroger or all these different things. And so how, um, how do you go about that? Or how do you think about that as an entrepreneur and kind of tackling something that has such a large two pronged, almost like development approach? The we've broken it into tranches. And instead of starting at A and going to Z or going from the largest company and going to the smallest one using the Fortune 5000, we break them. Uh, we break the universe into tranches of work, um, and and by doing that, um, we can get very high levels of coverage in a specific type of work, and then and then be able to provide that tranche to our clients. So an example of that is we have extremely high coverage in the gig economy. Um, you name the gig economy company. We have uh, connectivity into it. We have extremely high coverage um, in a tranche called big box retail. You name the big box retailer, we have connectivity into it. We ex have extremely large coverage or extremely high levels of coverage, excuse me, um, in modern payroll systems. So name it, Gusto, Zenefits, Workday, uh, ADP, uh, keep going down the list. We have connectivity into it. The next tranche that we're currently working on right now um, is uh, um, uh, uh, fast food restaurants or fast food chains. So um, we're going to you know, package up Burger King and Taco Bell and McDonald's and say we have connectivity into that. There are many tranches. Um, what is, what, what's helpful is that clients specialize in particular types of, of, of services for these tranches. There are lenders that are that lend to the gig economy. There are lenders that lend to big box retail. And that allows us 
both uh, for our sanity and for our client's sanity to be able to break up the world um, into pieces. Nice. That's um, that's super fascinating. And that makes a lot of sense there where you can build all the integrations and at the same time do business development and almost just kind of makes it like a, you know, develop one quarter here, then sell the next exactly. quarter there. And it's kind of, you're just kind of going through the the, the flow there. And and so I'm curious, um, you know, what does the actual revenue model look like for you, though? And, yeah. and like, how does that kind of work? Is it usage based, you know, fee based subscription? What, what does that look like? So uh, businesses over the last 70 years or so have gotten very used to a transactional model of credit decisioning where they pay X to get a um, sort of a static PDF or static JSON file of data that doesn't change, that isn't updated. It's you know one hit, one data set. Uh, we do that too. Um, so we, we can be transactional um, to work inside of, of a business's current flow. Our viewpoint is that that transactional model doesn't provide the right incentives either for the worker that's trying to buy a product or for that business. Um, because it means that you're sort of waiting to figure out what the truth is and you don't want to ask the truth until a certain point um, and you're scared to ask the question multiple times because it's more expensive that incentives are not aligned in that environment the world that we'd like credit decisioning to go to is a subscription one where a worker is is actually granting access to their employment records to a particular business Bob is granting employment records to good loans. Um, and that means good loans get continuous, real-time, always available information on Bob's um, employment records, and they pay a monthly subscription for it. And that means that good loans gets to ask the question of, are you still employed five times a day, one time a day, once a week, whatever they like, and they're not penalized for it. Um, and the user isn't penalized for it with higher fees. Um, it does require a little bit of a, of a shift in thinking, but we think it's the right shift um, for 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 this sort of new world of work. Um, but we do we do it both ways. That's super interesting, and it, it seems like it would make sense because you know then you would just basically be giving that loan provider consistent data, and then if they find out that employment ends, it almost like hey, they can have a flag that there might be issues with this coming. Yeah. And it's just kind of you know like a flat fee as opposed to just you know them checking at random points. And it's always it, people. People's minds typically wander to the negative use case first. I do it as well. There's a bunch of positive use cases on this as well. Somebody can get, um, you know, somebody can work extra one week. Uh, somebody can get a job increase or a title change. Um, somebody's base pay can change. Um, there's also things that are convenient, like somebody's address change. They move to a new place, and it's easier for the lender to update all their forms. Um, so there's a lot of positive things that happen with uh, perpetual access to data as well. But yes, one of them is being notified of a termination. That yeah. is one of many use cases. There are many positive ones. <laughs> that makes sense on <laughs> all the positives, all the other sides of that flip, flip of that coin as well. I definitely get that. Um, okay. And so I guess, you know, for you, what has been some of the hardest parts of, of building this company out or building the solution? What continues to become more complex as we build um, is the both the fragmentation in data sorts in, in, in data sources and the quality of those data sources. Um, there are no standards on how employment records um, are stored. In fact, there isn't actually a federal mandate to provide any worker with a pay stub. The notion of a pay stub is is actually just an employee an employer invention, 
no employer is mandated by the federal government to even provide that. That is the reason why whenever you look at any pay stub, they all look really different. It's because there's no standards around them. Um, and that is the same in terms of the data sources in which employment records are stored. And we are doing this mass um, uh, normalization project where regardless of if it's Kroger or if it's Uber, um, if it's Joe's Trucking or Susie's Cupcakes or Lockheed Martin or Johnson & Johnson, pick your big, small, medium business, we are providing a single normalized data set to you where job title is job title and gross pay is gross pay and deductions are deductions. Um, and that requires a lot of internal work to make something very simple and readable by a client. That is the complexity. Um, and it doesn't get simpler as we keep building. No, that makes sense. And again, yeah, that's really interesting on the, the lack of standardization across each of those. And I'm curious, so um, from the technology side on your side, are you building this with technology that can read each of these pay stubs and infer this information? Is this kind of like data entry teams kind of putting this in? Well, how do you guys actually go about the execution side of that? Sure. Uh, we have a policy that no human should be um, no human should be uh, bothered in the processing of employment records. So there's no such thing as manual for us. We only do it one way with a computer. Um, the um, We've built a, a tremendous amount of internal tools um, and internal protocols in order to read this information at its source. We do not OCR um, or read pay stubs. Uh, one, uh, because it's because there's no standards around pay stubs, it means that you're having to build a bunch of technology about how to read different PDFs. It's just not worth it. Um, two, uh, a PDF is, 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 uh, has a lot of uh, inaccuracies in it. A PDF is printed at a point of time and a payroll system does update or make changes or employer does update or make changes to actually what a payout is. Um, and so we wanna read actually what the payout is or what actually the payout information uh, information is not when that piece of paper was digitally printed. Um, so we're always reading from the source. Um, and that source, again, is very fragmented. Kroger uses their own system. Starbucks uses their own system. Amazon warehouses use their own system. Um, but they have, you know, it, um, it, they have a computer. Um, and um, there are they have an API stack. It's just each one of them are unique. Yeah. That makes sense. And that's, yeah, definitely a lot of, a lot of integrations, a lot of different challenges for the developers to solve on a consistent basis. It's similar problem, but new, new input every single time. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from a, just from a uh, high level business standpoint, that is because the problem is sufficiently difficult. It had, it gets um, a really, uh, um, really lively development environment. Uh, we, uh, we geek out on all this stuff um, and it's because it is as complicated as it is. Yeah, that makes sense. And that I imagine that's, yeah, it's not like developers having to do the same things. It's like every single time it's like, oh, here's another solution I got to figure out yep. in some other new way to integrate. So yeah, I can, yes. I can see that creates an interesting development culture. Um, it's, a, it's a nice hiring tool. <laughs> that is nice. And um, which I guess goes for the the hiring side of things. I'm, I'm curious, you know, what have you guys done to attract talent and kind of retain talent in this world where uh, tech talent is so competitive? There's just it's just yeah. extremely challenging. What have, what have you guys done from that point to attract good talent? 
So first, the the problem set is just difficult, and that gets people excited. It's not uh, it's it's a new set of problems, um, and in a space that isn't commonly talked about. So people are just uh, gravitate towards that in general. We have a policy at Argyle that when you're hired, one of the very first things that you do is you tell us the top three or top five people that you've loved working with in the past, and we reach out to those people. We want this to be a community of people that you already know. And that's been a really great way to have retention and build a talent funnel that's sort of self-nurturing because it's always some other people's friends or some other people that like working with those people. That's been a big driver for us. Uh, There's 68 of us now, and we're on 19, we're in 19 different jurisdictions. Uh, America is one of them, um, but there are 18 others. So it's a global team that's in virtually every time zone. It's really amazing to watch it grow and flourish the way that it is. That's amazing. I love that um, that introduction to five people you've enjoyed working with in the past. Uh, I have found at my companies, I literally like a lot of times I don't even have to post jobs anymore because like once right. you get such a critical mass, you can just ask for referrals. And I like that. Yes. I just, I reactively do it whenever I need someone and just post it. But I like your kind of approach on just, hey, introductions to five and then. That's a yeah. super fascinating, great way to go about it. And it, it it pushes both ways because you likely came to Argyle through an introduction through somebody else. So you want to do that same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's three or four people know each other from a other job, just always. That's just what's going on here. <laughs> That's awesome and fascinating. And again, just attracts the right kind of culture and attracts the right kind of talent. I love that. I think so too, yeah. Awesome. And so I'm, I'm also interested in just from the the sales side of stuff, you know, what has been working for you guys on the sales and marketing side um, with something like this? I imagine this is kind of blue sky. Is there is there even much competition out there? Is this really just an informing the, the world that this exists? Uh, where are you guys at in kind of the sales and marketing side of everything? Sure. We are not inventing anything new. We are inventing a new way of doing it. People have been uh, uh, leveraging employment records for a very long time to make credit decisions. As we were talking about before, uploading a pay stub, somebody manually review it, is using employment information to make a credit decision. Asking a third-party vendor or credit bureau for employment data to make a credit decision, same thing. That has been very helpful in this in, in talking to clients. We are not we are not building a rocket ship that goes to the moon. Um, it is the same data set. It's just quicker, faster, cleaner, more reliable, cheaper, all of those things. Uh, that is, uh, just in my past work experience, that is quite different than actually saying, I have something new. We have something better. The part that's coupled with it is that strip away the fact that we're a tech company, that we're uh, venture-backed, that we that we like computers and geek out on things. What we are talking to clients about is uh, change management. You know, in, in other industries, it's the reason why you hire Boston Consulting Group or Deloitte or uh, Bain to come in and help you like modernize things. Um, and we are that we are really that team. If you if you strip away the rest of it, we are asking companies to stop doing things the old way and start doing things the new way. Um, and that is, uh, you know, if you're talking to a company that for the last thirty years, if you talk to a big mortgage. Uh, underwriter that for the last uh, 30 years has used pay stubs, that is not a conversation that happens overnight. That is a journey. Um, and that's the journey that we're on with our clients. And there's a, um, you know, a not uncommon sliding scale 
the smaller the company, the newer the company, the easier it is to sell into that company. The bigger the company, the more um, uh, the 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 longer that company has been around. The fact that that company is publicly traded or not means that the sales cycle is longer, and that's that's the business we're in. Yeah, and so I'm very interested with your guys' solution. How much of this is? Um, they come to you, they buy this, they get this thing, it plugs into their system. And how much of this is, okay, cool, you're signing this contract. Now we're going to enter into this large services engagement where we help get this integrated, yep. plugged into your technology. Well, what does that actually look like whenever you guys sign a customer? Most of our clients are word of mouth or coming to our website through, through uh, somebody reaching out to them about us. The lending market and the mortgage market in particular, the insurance market as well, um, is is a cast of characters of everybody who knows everyone else. So um, solutions travel quickly. So I think that that you know. So we have a lot of incoming. The breakdown for us is that there are a set of clients that are very tech enabled that have their own development team that know what APIs are, um, and that's great. There are more businesses uh, in in the United States and by the way around the world. Um, who make credit decisions and don't know what an API is, and that's fine. Um, uh, we want to we want to lean into that. You are right. Um, that means that we need to provide a form of professional services um, or provide a no code solution to 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 those businesses, and we we do both. Um, and I think it's I think it's important and incumbent upon our business to provide a solution to to everybody that makes a credit decision not just the lucky ones that happen to, you know, happen to work in California or happen to have a big uh, development team. I think that that's a very myopic way of looking at the world. Nice. I, I love that. And that's, um, that makes a ton of sense there. And it's just kind of a, a challenge on the, uh, the, the changing of the status quo. Um, and, yeah. and I guess with the, with that on like the sales outreach though, like it, is, so it's like, is your biggest challenge really just getting people to change what they're doing or like how they're doing it? And then how do you guys overcome that? Yep. That is, you nailed it. It is, um, it's a handholding process. It's one that we enjoy doing. I mean, it's also one that the client is in the midst of doing themselves, uh, brought on by, you know, the new world's order or, uh, the COVID reality businesses, um, uh, big and small are really, taking a fresh look at how they run their operations and how they run their business and what vendors they have uh, and, and, and figuring out uh, what processes they can streamline or eliminate um, or automate or use, um, you know, stop using PDFs with. And be, because of that, um, we, we enter a dialogue with them that they're having internally already. And that's been very helpful, but you are right. Um, this is more complicated than selling lemonade at a lemonade stand. <laughs> Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I definitely get that. Awesome. Well, I want to take a step here also into like the past on this and, sure. and maybe how did Argyle even begin? Like, what was the journey? How did you end up running a company yeah. in this extremely narrow niche of, you know, yeah. uh, like basically reading pay stubs? Uh, like how, did, <laughs> how, how did this all come about? Um, this is the like the best accident that's ever happened to me. Um, completely a mistake. Uh, we were not attempting to build um, an employment record um, gateway. Uh, that was not uh, th- that was not what we originally set out to do. Um, at my previous company that I co-founded, called Stratum, 
we were hiring at the peak about a thousand drivers a month. There was very high turnover, very similar to fast food. Uh, the turnover apparently at a McDonald's is over a hundred percent each year, which is just an interesting statistic to think about, but some industries have very high turnover. Um, and much like um, applying for a loan or applying to work at Starbucks, which I have done, or applying to work at Walmart, which I've also done, applying to work at Stratum was a long process. It was sort of death by 40 fields. We asked all the questions that everybody else asked. What is your first name and your last name and your phone number? Are you married? What's your address? What's your past work history? How long have you worked there? Um, can you can you um, can you get me a, a letter that va validates your employment? These are all the things that an employer asked for, and we were asking for them too. And we had to ask for them really quickly at a really fast pace. And it had all the stuff that I don't like, uh, which is we were spending a ton of money on Google ads and Facebook ads and Craigslist ads. We were building a bunch of tools to validate data input. Uh, we were hiring more operation members to call these people, validate things, file things. Um, it just had all this bulk on it that seemed unnecessary. Um, and I wanted a button that was like, apply with my Uber account, um, apply with my Grubhub account. Um, Cause all this data was there, their driver's license was in there already. Their background check was in there already. All the personal information was in there already. And Uber has already spent $400 verifying all of it. Why do I need to do that again? Um, and so we set out to build an app, uh, something called application auto completion. Because um, we just, I just was like, that has to be a common problem. Uh, and that's what we started to do at the very end of 2019. Uh, and as we started to bring on our first set of customers, what we noticed um, was that these customers, yes, they wanted an automated application process, but they wanted an automated application process for some product that they were trying to sell whether that was a credit card product or a lending product, some product that they were trying to sell. And those products have credit decisioning inside of it. And so what, um, what sort of fell into our lap was, um, oh, what, is the, what are the fields or what are the data elements that are needed to run a credit evaluation? Um, and we started to learn about that. It's a very archaic industry, um, but we were connecting into that data set. Um, and so, um, in the first part of 2020, we pivoted the business um, to to being that uh, to being that product. It you know more in terms of language than anything else. There were some there were some fields we needed to add um, and some labels that we needed to change, but the data set was sitting there, um, and, and that that brings us to today. That's super fascinating. So you. Your initial idea, basically, uh, again, being kind of like this auto applications for for applicants for jobs. And then it just kind of came into that field that you learned that that exact same problem over in the credit application space was probably yes. a lot easier to streamline and almost makes more business sense, I think. Um, in terms, yes. I feel like the revenue model makes a lot more sense where you guys are today versus like the revenue model and the previous ones kind of like, where does that exist? But it's yes. interesting, but like, yeah. Yes, there's, um, you know, typical third party, uh, large scale third party providers that provide uh, employment data. The legacy ones are charging 30, 40, sometimes $50 to get access to income and employment verification materials. Um, and there's many reasons for that, but we are fractions of, the, of, of that cost. 
that again, that, that makes the sales cycle easier. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. That's it's super always fascinating to hear the origin story. And, and I feel it's rare that someone um, solves the exact problem that they set out for. It's always uh, some sort of always something along else. the way. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Uh, that's, that, we fit into that mold. I love that. And and so, um, you know, what is your vision in kind of for the future of, of this industry that you guys are in with kind of employment data and records here? Like, you know, what is your kind of bigger picture vision for everything? If we're being thoughtful and we're being strategic, um, we can start to look at a world that doesn't have credit scores. Um, that will take a long time to do. Again, that does not happen overnight. But um, a credit score today is sort of the bedrock of how um, how people are evaluated in in Western democracies, uh, not just in the U.S. but just uh, you know in Europe too. Um, those formulas are a black box system in which we do not know why we have a 650 or a 600 or a 550, but some other institution told us that's what we're worth. Um, and the, the way that those credit scores are derived is they take a lot of inputs. Do you repay your credit card on time? Are you employed? By whom? For how long? How much money do you make? They take all these inputs and they do some black box magic trick. And then they say you're worth 600. Um, this process um, leads to a lot of people being cut out um, of, of the economy or being denied a service or a product are being charged a higher rate for a service or a product than they than they need to be. And it's not the worker's fault. And by the way, in, in many instances, it's not the not the uh, company's fault either that's obtaining this, this credit information. They don't have anything else to go off of. What else are they supposed to do? Um, but if we can um, if we can work to a world where people are using the actual ground facts about somebody actually are they employed actually what is their title can you tell me how long they're working there and you actually use that in your own engine and we empower businesses to use those uh, more granular more fair tools that will lead to um i think more people gaining access to products and services and decrease the reliance on this black box 600 550 like random number like why is it even what is that it's it's like an sat number i don't even understand what's going on there so like that that's the grand vision that requires us to make many thoughtful steps and um definitely um expand our our network into many more places that people can work i that is an incredible vision uh and that's uh, <laughs> that's that's awesome and, and, and cool to hear it i love that because i've i know just in my own experience with credit and like having a lower credit score when I was younger and like raising yep. it over at some point I was like, wait, so if I pay down my credit cards, my right. score goes down? Like what? Like, yeah. <laughs> like right. Right. Uh, cause yeah, it's, it was just like this obscure thing. And like that somehow, so yes. if I want to have a house, I need to keep a credit like, like card yep. open. Like it's like all these obscure things. Yep. Um, and it, what you're saying here makes total sense. Like if I'm a person that doesn't like credit cards, but I have great income and employment for years, like mm -hmm. that, that I should still have the exact same ability to get a house there or yep. something. Yep. Um, once you start to peel back the onion on credit scores, and I've done that, it is, it's, it's Looney Tunes how that stuff is calculated. It does not make, if we were starting from scratch and we were thinking about how to, how would you derive, um, um, you know, um, a good credit risk versus a bad credit risk. I, you know, I haven't worked at a credit agency, so I'm, I'm talking, 
um, you know, I'm talking out of school, but I wouldn't make some basic choices that they've made. Um, so it, it, it gets very weird and wonky as you start to peel back the onion on it. And for all the reasons you're saying. Yeah, I love that. So uh, all that at the big picture. So what is, you know, over the next 12 months or so, what does success look like for you guys here in like 2021 or what your kind of targets are for the next 12 months? Yeah, many initiatives, but some to highlight on. Uh, we we want to make sure that um, we are providing the same tools and capabilities to people that do have engineering teams and don't have engineering teams. Um, we want to be a business that works um, with every business, with every everybody that makes credit decisions, not just the lucky ones that have developers. Um, and uh, we're making large investments to make sure we have a enterprise grade console that can be an ops desk for businesses. Um, that you know, if if uh, again, if you're a VC backed tech company that does lending, that's awesome. We want you as a client. You're lucky that you get your own developers. Most businesses don't have that, and we also want to provide it. Um, to to, um, to non-developer centric companies. And so we're making huge investments there. Um, the second is that by the end of the year, we want to provide um, near 100% coverage or a way to get access to nearly 100% of employment records that are available. And that is going to take a bunch of, um, that is a, that is a massive undertaking that we don't take lightly. Um, in 2019, I don't know the 2020 statistics, there were over 8 million businesses that paid someone else. We want access into all of them. That is ambitious. Um, we are well on our way, um, but it will require us to be thoughtful about that to, to reach that uh, 2021 goal. Um, those are two big ones for us. It's pretty incredible. And so is there is like a lot of this public data somewhere that you guys are able to pull into or from or like standardized in any way? Or like, how, how do you like, how are you guys pulling off 100%? That's that seems ambitious. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> um, the, um, there is not uh, a, a board member uh, of ours, I think said this the best, um, which is this is going to be a game one with a thousand different arrows, not one bullet. Um, and I, that is the exact answer to this riddle. There are uh, many different data sources that have different types of data quality about where employment records are stored for what company. Um, and we need to internally be able to grade, rate, connect um, all of those different types of sources together to come up with with you know the Argyle list of the eight million employees uh, employers, excuse me, um, and that's what we're on the way of doing. But it's you know I can it's more than two hands can count. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's fascinating. Lo love the vision for where you're going with all this. Um, and as we're wrapping up, I, there's one question I always really like to ask at the end here: is if yeah. you were to go back five, ten years in your entrepreneurial journey before you had started Argyle. <laughs> Um, you know, what advice would you give to your younger self, um, like setting out on your entrepreneurial journey? It's the it's one of our core value props that's at at the company, but uh, it's something that I wish I realized sooner. A lot of people talk about like how making mistakes is a good thing, and like you should be proud of your mistakes, um, and like that's great. Um, but what I uh, keep saying that what what I wish I knew uh, sooner is to um, not make the same mistake twice or be able to figure out that that is a mistake. Like the thing you're doing is a mistake and then recognize it as a mistake and stop doing it. 
and I, I don't think enough teams are, are have that mindset. So I would tell myself to be able to recognize and stop making the same mistake repetitively. Uh, make make as many mistakes as you want, but just make them once. <laughs> um, that's so that's something I take with me and I try to impart onto the rest of our team. I love that. That's uh, that's fascinating one there. And I'm curious, maybe do you have any examples of maybe what are, what are some of those mistakes that it took you a little longer to realize that you that you made a few times um, before you realized that you were like kind of going down that same pattern there? Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, so one that's top of mind for me is in hiring and just the way that we uh, uh, run hiring. Um, it's like I for for too long. Um, thought that uh, I could uh, just uh, that, like a 30 minute interview and talking to one other person was sufficient to know if you were a good candidate for a job or not. And like, I just kept on thinking that that was good. And that's like a mistake that's incorrect and uh, correct. Like re- admitting to yourself that that's not the right way to do hiring and putting a new process in place is, is like, you know, harder than just keeping on making the same mistake. Like the fact that I can now identify it, realize it, not do that, that's healthy and helpful and, and good for the business. I think there's like, there's 30 of those. Yeah. I, I literally, I can think of that. I had that recent lesson similar in hiring where um, I've learned that if someone says, oh, I'm just like not enjoying this type of work. If like, if I hear that word, those type of words out of someone's mouth, like that is a massive red flag I need to look out yeah. for. And, totally. uh, and I've, I've, I've not paid attention to that closely enough. And like, that's, I'm like, okay, I just got burned the third time on that. Um, need yep. to pay attention right. to that. Right. <laughs> so no, and like that, 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 uh, that's the exact, when you start feeling that emotion, like, oh yeah, that mistake again, that's the sign that like, write that down. Don't do that again. <laughs> yes. It's like your, your rule book of like mistakes and then yeah. like, just and yes. like check mark if you let it happen again. Re- yes. <laughs> yes. Remember the mistakes you've made so you don't make them a second time. <laughs> nice. I love that. Um, awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on here, sharing this journey. Super fascinating um, stuff here. Yeah. And so if anyone wants to come find out more about you, um, Argyle, uh, learn about working with you guys or anything, where's the best place for them to go online? Uh, you can go to argyle.com. You can email schmuluk at argyle.com. Um, and um, please ask us questions. Uh, uh, I'm happy to field any email uh, that's out there. We're, we're, uh, we're a friendly organization. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on here today. Of course. Hey, this was fun. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. You can see the show notes and more links from today's episode at leadersofb2b.com.